So we'll be having Vacation Bible School coming up soon in just a couple of weeks. And so we are working our way through a series of messages using the lessons we'll be teaching in Vacation Bible School. And today we're going to look at lesson four, the lesson for day three, which is about Jesus calling his disciples. And the theme is that Jesus is with me. Jesus is with me. Say that with me. Jesus is with me. For the lesson today, we'll be looking at Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22, and then chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. So, 4, 18 through 22. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little farther up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee, repairing their nets. And he called them to come too. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man, this is from Matthew 9, verse 9 through 13. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guest, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But, the, then the Pharisee, but when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he said, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Then he added, Now, go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Who are you? Have you ever thought about it? How would you describe yourself? How would you tell someone who you are? How would you define that? What is your identity? A lot of people may describe who they are by what they do for a living. My dad was an entrepreneur. He started out, he, he, I, his, his brother got a job in Washington, D.C., working for the FBI in the fingerprint division. And I think he helped get my dad a job. My dad followed him up there and worked for the FBI, too. That's where that, he met my mother. But that wasn't who he was. And eventually, he left that job because what he really wanted to do was own his own business. That was his dream. He and his partner owned a business in Maryland called the Georgetown Pizzeria. And I think he was really happy doing that job, but it only lasted a short time. And because it was a partnership, somehow, at least the story that came down through our family, somehow his partner sold the business out from under him and he didn't really have any recourse against it. So he kind of lost out on the deal. Then he moved down to Macon. He he had a, a business where he ran concession stands at Lake Tobosofki. It was a, a, a big park in Macon, Georgia. I remember as a kid going 
and the beach was so full. This was back in the 80s. The beach was so full around the lake that you couldn't hardly walk. There were so many people there. And he was selling hot dogs and hamburgers and candy bars and all of that to them. Then he tried running a successful, or tried running a a franchise, uh, like I think it was KFC he had. Didn't work out well for him. But finally he found success owning and operating the fish house in Macon, where he sold fresh seafood for over 25 years. And uh, I could just tell he was really proud that he had finally succeeded in that job. It's something he had always wanted to do to be his own boss and to own his own business. What did your dad do for a living? You know, a lot of people define their identity by what they do for a living. And I guess that makes sense to some degree because I I looked it up and the average person spends 90,000 hours of their life at work. 90,000 hours. That's about one-third of a person's life is at work. In the Bible, people were often identified by the work they did. For instance, in many places, it tells us that Jesus was a carpenter. So we know that he was a carpenter. And Jesus called 12 men to follow him. And we learn about the occupations of five of those men specifically From the two passages that I read today, we see that Simon, Andrew, James, and John were fishermen. On the other hand, Matthew was a tax collector. With the fishermen, Jesus does something interesting. He recognizes their identity as fishermen, but then he alters the identity. He says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So he changes their ID. They are, they're going to do something so much more important than just fishing for seafood. He changes their ID. But their past ID, their identity from the past, still influences their new work. They will now fish for people to be part of God's kingdom. Matthew was a tax collector. No one likes tax collectors, not now or then. But in Jesus' day, tax collectors worked for the occupying Roman officials who forced the Jewish people to pay tributes to the Romans against their will. Tax collectors were seen as traitors to their own people. Even by their own families, they were often disowned. But Jesus called Matthew to be a disciple. Simon the Zealot was another person that Jesus called to be a disciple. He belonged to a radical political religious sect that was dedicated to assassinating people like Matthew. Anyone who cooperated with the Romans was on their hit list. So that would have been an interesting thing to have Matthew as one of the disciples sitting at the table right next to Simon the Zealot, who formerly would have tried to kill him. Jesus called all of these men and he gave them new identities, their true identities, 
disciples. A disciple is a personal follower who is dedicated to Jesus as their Lord. Now, discipleship is not the same thing as being a student in the modern sense. A disciple in the ancient biblical world meant that that disciple actively imitated both the life and the teaching of their master. It was a deliberate apprenticeship which made the fully formed disciple a living copy of their master. If they had followed faithfully and they'd done it and had, had, and had really been changed by that process, then they, the, the goal would be that they would be exactly like their master. It was a great honor and it was a real responsibility to be a disciple. Usually Jewish rabbis only called the best of the best of the best to be their disciples. Many disciples who followed rabbis in the time of Christ had gone so far as they had memorized the entire five books of the Torah. The first five books of of our Old Testament. That's not even the fun books. (laughs) That's the ones that include like Deuteronomy and Leviticus. You know, when people say, they get all excited and they say, I'm going to read the whole Bible from cover to cover. Genesis, they do pretty good. Exodus, they get started on it. And then about halfway through, they start reading laws about don't eat this kind of fish and don't eat that kind of animal and don't, you know, weave two different kinds of fiber together. And all of a sudden they're done. But disciples in Jesus' day were so committed that they memorized all that stuff. And they could recite it to you from memory. How many of you even have a handful of memory verses that you've memorized? This is what a disciple was. And usually rabbis only called the best of the best of the best. And yet Jesus chose men whose professional identities were quite ordinary. These weren't PhD students. These weren't super-duper, superhero religious people. Some of them were even despicable. You had fishermen, tax collectors, an assassin. Simon, the fisherman, he felt so unworthy to follow Jesus. In Luke 5, 8, he said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. And Jesus just brushed it off and says, come, follow me. He called him anyway. And later, he even changed Simon's identity further by giving him a new new name. He changed his name. He said, from now on, you're going to be Peter. I say that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Matthew 16, 18. You see, Jesus is the one who gives us our identity. And because he's the the God, the creator, and John, it says that in the beginning he was, and and he was there in the beginning, and nothing was made from which he he was not the maker. I guess he has the, the right 
to tell us who we really are. But how would you feel if Jesus showed up one day and called you like he called the 12 disciples? We might be reluctant to follow Jesus or we might feel like we're not good enough to be one of his followers. We may even feel as if we're all alone. But the call to follow Jesus does not depend on how good we are. Thank God. Because I'd never, never would have been able to start this journey. The call to follow Jesus does not depend on how good we are. Rather, Jesus invites all people to follow him. All people can be transformed into God's children because of Jesus' death and resurrection. As we follow his call, Jesus promises to be with us no matter what. And he transforms us over time into the people he wants us to be. Jesus calls people to surrender their lives and to follow him. He leads us into the kingdom of God. As people become disciples and follow Jesus, we are never alone because he is there with us and there are also others who he has called to walk with us as well. And Jesus is there guiding us every day. Being a disciple of Jesus is the greatest honor in life. Jesus calls all to be his disciples. But unfortunately... Not all answer the call. Will you be one of the people who answers his call? If you do answer the call to follow Jesus as a true disciple, you will learn to actively imitate both his life and his teachings. You will become a living copy of Christ. What he did, you will do. And this includes, at times, taking up a cross and suffering. It is a great responsibility to be, the, to be a disciple. But it is also the highest honor in life. And the reward is eternal life in the kingdom of heaven where there will be no more sin or suffering or death. And whatever suffering and whatever trials we've faced in this life will be nothing compared to the glory we shall see then. Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 14. You can enter into God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad. And its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow. And the road is difficult. And only a few ever find it. Which path would you choose to follow today? 